film fans. We're back with another edition of Real Time's Trio. What is this, the 80th one? Um, let, uh, see, I now so. I have to look. Yes, it is number 80. Thank you, Carl Middleman, who's been here for all of them. I've been here for 80 episodes. Yes, and one of our special guests who is here often is Tom Stockman. Hello, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, we we this is the highlight of his week. We always enjoy having you because you have such a unique perspective, and you are a man on the street. That's right. I go see movies in theaters. Yes, you do. Crazy. We'll talk to our guest, Tom Stockman, in just a minute. I'll preview Paper Spiders in a second. Then Becky, around minute three. The Tax Collector, around minute four. Then we'll get into The Nest, around minute six. The Devil All the Time, around minute 16. The Secrets We Keep, around minute 23. The Dark Divide, around minute 27. The Social Dilemma, around minute 34. All In, around minute 37. Antebellum, around minute 39. And then we talk about the Coastal Elites, around minute 42. And then the passing of Diana Rigg and Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Almost Famous Anniversary, the Oscars, the Emmys, and theater, a long discussion, all around minute 51. Several of the movies this week are only in theaters. Right. Which I had in the fact, that's that's the thing. That, that's the thing I wanted to talk about about and a lot of these movies that we're getting sent by the companies don't have release dates because they want to get them in the theaters like there's a movie out with lily taylor it's called paper spiders and it's it's coming out and they don't they're like can you talk about our movie you saw it and i said yes but i want to be able to tell people where it is and where they can see it they said well it's had it's had its world premiere it's it's about mental illness and it's very it's very well done it's uh about a widow she was probably losing her mind when her husband was alive and then once the husband could like hide all of those things but afterwards uh when it's just her senior and high school daughter everything goes crazy uh stefania levy owen plays the daughter and she's good and peyton list is in the movie and david rashke from belleville yes be- and really Milstadt. And um, he was Sledgehammer, I remember. Yes, he <laughs> yes, was in United 93. He is a Belleville West high school graduate. And Tom Papa is in the movie, too, in a small role. And I really want to talk about this movie, but they don't know when it's coming out. So that is a weird thing. And, Tom, I know you're a, you're a horror film aficionado and expert. When I have a horror question, uh-huh. I want to go to you. Okay. I do have a horror question. I didn't know about this movie that I keep seeing everywhere, and I saw it at Target yesterday because I guess it's out on video. And I don't know what in the age of Corona, you don't know if it was like only drive-ins or if it actually came out. It's Kevin James against type in oh, Becky. Yeah, I saw Becky at the Galleria about you know, right after the Galleria opened. That may have been what, the first or second movie I saw at the Galleria. It's really bad. <laughs> um, you've got you've got. Kevin James cast against type because he's a comedic actor. And he's the villain. Yeah, so they make him the villain. So what they do is they shave his head, and then they tattoo a swastika on the top of his head. What? So you're halfway right there. So it's it's Um, show, don't tell? it's it's, It's basically a home invasion thriller. And this little girl, I, I don't know. Her name's is. Becky? Yeah, her name's Becky. She's 13 or 14. Or, you know, gets the best of these skinhead neo-Nazi guys that are broken out of prison and are, are, are killing everybody. It's really predictable. It's pretty gruesome. There is a part where somebody pulls their own eyeball out. Their own eyeball um, out. 
Yes, but it's it was pretty lame, in my okay. opinion. Well, I because I've been seeing this, and like, how come I never heard of this? Now, in horror circles, was it like a big deal? Or nah, not really, not really. It wasn't really. I mean, it wasn't even so much a horror film. It was just sort of a, a, a violent action film, torture um, porn. Yeah, there was some really gruesome stuff in it. Although the most gruesome movie I've seen at the theaters this year, probably the best, most gruesome movie I saw since Rambo last year was one we just mentioned, The Tax Collector with Shia LaBeouf, which is actually a pretty good movie, although Shia LaBeouf is just embarrassingly horrible in it. He plays this <laughs> Latino guy, and, he, and you can just picture him. He's acting really tough, and he's just covered with tattoos, and uh, he's, just, he's just an embarrassment. But the movie itself is actually pretty good and really gruesome. I like gruesome. In a good way? Yeah, I like, I like gore. Well, Lynn, no. you're, you're, you're not going to theaters. Oh no! You did. You I, did, I did go, go to one to, to go see Tenet. It's a high point at the Ma- uh, IMAX Ronnie's, uh, and they are great, making great pains to keep everything sanitized and social distance yeah. and masks. And and I felt comfortable there. And I will go again. The lack of uh, big releases means we're not going to get Wonder Woman till December, and we're not going to get Top Gun till. Next year, and they keep moving I movies think, back. But I what? think Wes Anderson's still going to put his one out n- mid-October. Well, I can't wait for that. The, the French, French the, poster. Dis- yeah, the is. dispatch. Um, uh, I, I'm so excited for that. The uh, What I've noticed in uh, my emails, I get so many low-budget indie movie offers to watch. I cannot keep up. Oh, I know. No, I, yeah, every 10 minutes. It's just ridiculous. And so I'm trying to keep up with my docs because I'm on the nominating committee for Critics' Choice Association, and uh, we have to come up with the the recommendations for everybody else for the separate documentary awards. So I'm watching history, biography, archival, and political docs, and I got to focus on that than all these little tiny ones. But I will say I'm impressed by a lot more indies this year and maybe it's because that's what's out that's what's available and i think uh uh, the last month i've seen some terrific performances which is going to lead me into the big name release this week i think is the nest and it is an acting tour de force with jude law and the wonderful carrie coon i love me some carrie coon oh so good. Hey, I love special some, guests. I love me some Harry Poon. <laughs> so uh, she is the venerable stage actress who is also Mrs. Tracy Letts. Yes. And she was so good in Gone Girl. And her her most notable efforts are The Leftovers on HBO and Fargo on FX, the last season, season three. So you've seen The Nest? Yes. Because oh, I want to see. It does open theatrically today. Yes. Only in theaters. It's IFC. It's very so wait a good. If it's only in theaters, they still sent you a link? Yeah. Did okay. they send you a link for the secrets we keep? Yes. Oh, that opened also today. Yes. And well, I watched. Did I, you watch it? Yes. The trailer I did. tells the entire plot. Yes. I mean, which, I can tell you what happened. I can tell you what happens at the end. Well, yeah, we can all we can all tell. We can all tell with that. Well, the nest is Sean Durkin, and he was responsible for. Uh, Marce, Martha Marcy May Marlene mm-hmm. in 2001. I liked that movie. This movie starts out 
it's a domestic drama, and it looks like they have this happy family. Jude Law is a commodities broker. His wife, uh, he plays Rory from England. His wife, Allison, she helps give, uh, she helps at the stable with horses. She gives lessons, riding lessons, that kind of thing. And then uh, they have a child together, and then she has a daughter from a previous relationship. And they seem to have this nice family dynamic. And he is restless, however, and he has an opportunity to return to England. So he convinces his family that they should move to England. And uh, he goes back to this firm in London that he was once with. Well, he leases this country manor that's very grand, but also dilapidated and just huge. Way too big for this. Is this a Rebecca kind of thing? No, I wouldn't say that. But it gives its eeriness, like the shadows of the rooms. It makes it look like a haunted house thrill, but it's not. It's not. It's a domestic drama where the family unravels. So you start seeing what Jude Law is really like because he has endless charm, as his boss says. But he is a former poor kid who is putting on airs like he is this wealthy dude with a limited savings uh, uh, bank account with a limited with an unlimited he's bank living account. beyond his means yes way beyond his means his wife starts calling him on it and she has issues of their own so it is just so perfectly built up the sean durkin he gives us it's a slow build it's a slow build but when they start to unravel it's really remarkable acting and jude law hasn't been this challenged in years and he's going to be on this uh uh hbo series called the third day or maybe it started and somebody said it's the year of jude law so uh-huh. wasn't the year of jude law like 2003 well it <laughs> didn't, could. didn't they say that in t- it could have been, but I will say he hasn't been this good in years. And then she is great. So and together they're so ferocious. And that's what that's what that's how Chris Rock got in trouble <laughs> by mentioning what's up with Jude Law. And then Sean Penn went on stage at the Oscars saying, "I'd like to say that Jude Law is a fantastic actor." I I remember it, and I it was Jude Law is a good actor. He is he a good is. actor. He is, and he's so good in this. This film is mesmerizing. The way it's shot, the director has these terrific uh, choice of shots. Like when the kids, the kids, uh, the the family is in this car driving to the new place in London, and the kids don't look all that enthused to be, you know, moving mm-hmm. to England. Well, of course, was Oscar nominated for Cold Mountain. Yes, he was, and he was and of course, for... talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah. Where he that was ninety nine, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was his big break. But I remember him in Gattaca. Yeah, remember Gattaca? Yeah, with Ethan Hawke. And then uh, to me, he's he's made some really good choices. I did not see that Pope thing on HBO. With I him. hear he's great in it. And that's that's what I heard too. Now, um, the new Pope, the the rhythm of everyday life is 
just wonderful how this guy captures all of the just, you know, it's like the minutia of, you know, making breakfast, dropping the kids off at school. So it sets up this normal family life and you wonder where it's going and then you figure out where it's going. But uh, so there's a shot of the kids are in the back of the car and they don't look like they're all that happy and the mom's in the middle and she's trying to make the best of it. And they start driving with this mansion or this country manor in view. And the kids just beam like, oh, my God, we're going to live here. And uh, Jude Law's like, isn't this great? Led Zeppelin stayed here one night. And this (laughs) this table is here because it's so large. People can't move it. And and, uh, you know, that's kind of funny. Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed it. This is one of these mesmerizing films where you're going to think about it afterwards a lot. So do you think that because of COVID, a film like this is going to get bigger play than it normally would because it's one of the few that is out there in theaters? Yeah. Nobody's going to the theaters. Yeah, uh, that's a problem. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is uh, a problem. Tenant made $20 million. Yeah. In Tenet, America, but yeah, in Europe yeah. it made a lot. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, that's just a disaster. Well, Tom was so telling me a story well. before you came up here, Lynn. He went... You went, do you want to mention oh, the theater? Uh, yeah, I went to the gallery at four o'clock on Tuesday to see the hell, hell, what's it called? Hell is everywhere or something. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> you saw it. Hell, the one we're going to review here in a minute. Yes. With, I I didn't see with it. With Tom Holland. Oh, the hell. devil all the time. Oh, the devil all the time. Okay, I was going to say the hell all the time. Mm-hmm. The devil all the time. So I went to see that at four o'clock. I got there a little early and I peeked in all five other theaters at the Frontenac and every single one was empty. And then I was the only one for the devil all the time. And then when it was over, I peeked in all five theaters again out of curiosity at about 6.30, and they were all still empty, every single one. Then I ran into Tom Anson, who was working there. He's the former manager of the Tivoli. And he came in to clean up the theater. And I said, how are things going? And he said, not good. And I said, when does the Tivoli open? And he says, I have no idea. Really? Yeah. So these theaters, nobody's going. Every time I go to a movie... I'm the only one You're there, the just one about. Well, I did see unhinged, like, opening night on Friday night, and there was, like, a half a dozen people there. But on balance, nobody is going to the theaters. It's pretty sad. Well, also, I think people are – well, Missouri – to be fair, Missouri and Illinois have high numbers, and uh, that is affecting, I think, how some but people – But it's not affecting do. the drive-ins. No, the, oh, dri- the yeah, drive-ins are doing well. Now, I think uh, – there is because we have so much available on streaming and that is have, an, and people have figured out streaming that may not have streamed before correct they're saying why the hell should i go to this theater when i can just sit there and watch it at home and save my gas money and my and it's not going to cost me buy, 30 dollars yeah, buy uh munchies at home and eat them at home oh i do think wasn't Mulan, $30 just to yes. stream? Who the hell would pay $30 to stream Yeah, Mulan? well, December 1st, it's going to be free. Oh No, it's not free because oh, you're you still paying pay for, for Disney+. Dis- Plus. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> it's it's going to come with a subscription, just like Amazon Prime today, all in the fight for democracy starts. But uh, if you watched it and other, you know, like other Amazon movies, you'd have to... Well, that's been showing at Frontenac all week, and there was nobody there for that. Yeah, well, see, it opened in theaters. This is the thing that's confusing, and I said this to Pete Maniscalco last week. The Devil All the Time, the Netflix movie, opened 
Friday in theaters, but then it became available streaming on Netflix September 16th. So who who would pay yeah, for it? I did. At a theater. <laughs> Tom did. But you are and I prefer a, to see movies at theater, especially like that, because that looked like it was going to be right up my alley, and I ended up really loving the film. So I, I, I'm glad I saw it at the theater. I tried watching... I am going to end things or something. <laughs> yes. Like oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking of ending. I'm thinking things. of ending yeah. things. And then, but that, I have, I have streaming problems at home. I have connectivity issues. So a lot of times, I can't even watch a streaming movie if I wanted to because I, I get the bar half the time. But then I thought, well, hell with this. I'm gonna go. This was pretty good because the first half hour. So I'm gonna go see this at the Frontenac. But then it wasn't at the Frontenac anymore. It was mm. at the Frontenac for a couple of weeks. Yeah, so. and then uh, the um, so the devil all the time started in theaters, and now it's on Netflix. And then uh, the uh, movie you said All In it opened in theaters Wednesday, September 9th, and then now is available streaming on Amazon Prime. It's a weird business model too. I know, and it's, it. and it's Try hard to get people to go to a theater that that they can stream a week later. I know. I've begun for the online Webster Kirkwood <clears throat> Times reviews I do to say. When it's available, for instance, the Rock and uh, Jimmy Carter, the Rock and Roll President documentary that we reviewed last week, Carl and I, yep. it is in theaters. But on October 9th, it's going to be available in home entertainment. Well, let's let's talk about the movie that Tom saw in a theater, The Devil yes. All the Time. That he's having problems remembering the name of the yes. film. <laughs> well, so does that that doesn't bode well for well, the film? I, it, it's just a bad title all the time. It's it, it's probably not a bad title. If you're a fan of the novel, which it is based on, and it's obviously based on a novel. It's a real sprawling story. It takes place over a couple of decades and has a lot of characters. It runs about two and a half hours. Wow, it is. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's but it's very literary. It feels it feels like a novel. It's got a narration that's obvious. That's obviously I like from that narrator. Who is that guy? I couldn't. I don't know. I didn't I find, I see him know. in the credits. You guys talk about but it. I'll but it's obviously it's pulled from the novel. A lot of the dialogue seems pulled from the novel. I haven't read the novel, but the novel you can just is tell. by Donald Ray Pollock, and it is from nine. It is from two thousand eleven. Yeah, but it's a very interesting movie about murder and sons and fathers and Donald Ray Pollock uh, is the narrator. Oh, it, that's the author. Oh. Oh, well, oh, there we go. Well, it's very Southern Gothic. It's a murder mystery and a psychology, psychological thriller. Well, this is a good cast. Kind of, oh, the cast is oh, fabulous. Yeah. That's why I was so excited. I kept seeing these people show up, like Jason Clark and and uh, Haley Bennett, Riley and, Keough, and, 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 uh, and the Harry Melling, who is creepy. I tell you, Haley Haley Bennett obviously gained a bunch of weight for that role. She mm-hmm. did, and Sebastian which is Stan? really good because that's a yeah. That's, yeah Chris Evans was Chris Evans was supposed to play that part and uh, he had oh, a yeah. drop and so it's Sebastian Stan. Robert Pattinson, Robert yeah, Pattinson. he plays uh, charismatic pe- preacher. Everybody's very earthy in this movie and and then Allison. sort of backwoods realistic and then <clears throat> Robert Pattinson shows up with his poofy hair and his perfect teeth. He looks like a movie star that's walked in out of a different movie. Uh-huh. Although. In the end, his character actually works really well because he's a very sleazy character. Mia Wasikawa it's, from yeah, uh, Mia, yeah. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. And yeah, Bill Skarsgård is one of the main characters. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he shows up at the beginning. You think he's the main character. That's one of the interesting things about this movie. There is real, no real main character. It is starts with 1957. It's a small town in Ohio. Get the name of this. Knock em Stiff, <laughs> Ohio. Okay. And then uh, the guy who directed this and wrote it and or adapted the screenplay, and Antonio it. Campos. Oh, he was the producer on Marcy, Martha, May, Marlene, whatever that Mar, Mar, which yeah. I just talked about. He's the producer, he, so get that. He directed uh, 
that Christine, but which I liked a lot mm-hmm. about the broadcaster, Rebecca not Hall. the car. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, he likes dark characters. This movie gets really dark. Oh, and very <laughs> and it gets, violent. I mean, it gets per, uh, a bit perverted, even. And I mean, it, some of it's a little hard to swallow. There, there are two scenes in this movie <clears throat> where somebody kills somebody, somebody murders somebody, then they immediately hitchhike and are getting pick, and get picked up by traveling serial killers. That happens twice in the movie. What? what? <laughs> yeah. After killing someone. Yeah, right after murdering somebody, they get picked up in a car by, by tra- someone traveling else that serial is killing killers. Somebody. Yeah. And that happens yeah. twice. As I said, Southern <coughs> so it's a Gothic. Little, it's a little far-fetched, but it's entertaining as hell. We have religious fanatics, we have murder, we have adultery, and we have madness. Okay, so Jake Gyllenhaal produced this movie, but he's not in it, correct? No, he's not. Unless he's got, he's not in it at all? No. Mm. Okay. It gets a little, I will say it's very ambitious film, and it gets a little, Tom mentioned the word sprawling. I would say that that's probably the drawback because of all these people in this cast that are so fabulous, you want to see more of them. And you say it's ensemble rather than following one character right. for the, for the most two part, and a half I'd hours. I'd say Tom Holland, you could say he's the main character, but he doesn't show up till an hour into the film. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's the grown-up of the little of Bill Skarsgård and Haley Bennett's child. Okay. So, and this is on Netflix now, but it was yeah. in theaters, but it's on Netflix. Yeah. I think that that, well, we all know that they play in theaters to get qualified for the Oscars. Right. But this year, they have that special exception that if they were slated for theaters, they still count. Ah. So... So that, what, 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 didn't we just, hasn't Riley Keough been in like a lot of movies this yes. year? Yeah, just in The Lodge, which was made by Hammer, which is right. at the high point, right before, right before they shut down, I believe. She's in a lot of she's films that I forget movie. that she's oh, in them. Oh, Mad Max Fury Row. She's mm-hmm. one of the breeders. And she's uh, in, I mean, she's in a lot of movies that you forget, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that yeah, one that, that. Uh, oh, the one about the, it's Joel Edgerton and there, it's it only comes at night or something yeah, like that. It comes at that? night, I think. It's, it's the cool. guy that it, made it waves. Comes at, it comes at night. Yeah, with Kelvin. It introduced Kelvin Harris Jr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harrison Jr. Yeah, and her brother died a couple weeks ago. Yes, who looked just like her grandfather Elvis. Yeah, that's. I thought that's it was sad. her son. No, no, it was her brother. Oh, Lisa's yeah. son. Yeah, Lisa Marie's son. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. That's right. I get that um, whole lineage so, mixed up. I, That's really good, anyway. Oh, Devil but, but the but the question the is, did you like it? <laughs> did I like it? Yeah. I just said I loved it. Yeah. It's really one of the best films I've seen this year. Lynn. Because I have trouble. Wa- I have trouble enjoying movies at home. Gotcha. Well, that's yeah. Kind maybe of a weird I way would have it. liked it better if I watched it. I like. Don't get me wrong. I think it's uh, worthy uh, to see, and I love this cast. And it's very violent, though. And it's, well, I like violence. It yeah, is very what you violent. Do. So I'm just I'm I'm giving. I don't I don't like it as much as Tom did, but I do approve of it. But I do think it's a tad it's, it, more um, ambitious than follow through. You know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of that's a perfect Netflix film because Netflix would be one for a grand swinging for the fences all the time, and it doesn't matter if they make it. So that that's very Netflix to me. And they're very successful in, with that model. 
Right. I like uh, I like how they immerse themselves in the period. Uh, it's not flattering for uh, backwoods small towns, that's for sure. There's another small town, uh, Eisenhower America era movie that I saw this week called The Secrets We Keep. And this is, okay, so so Devil All the Time begins in post-World War II Eisenhower America. The Secrets We Keep is also post-war Mm-hmm. America. It's a small refinery town. Chris Messina is a doctor who went over. Wait, wait. Her name's Chris Messina. No, the actor. Oh, Chris oh. Messina. I thought you. I thought you said Chris Messina, but Chris, Chris Messina. Messina. He was an Argo. Yes. yes, Chris Messina in the Mindy Project yes. and also Birds of Prey. Uh, he is a small town doctor, and during the war, he went over in '46. Well, basically, after the war for the reconstruction, and he meets a woman from Romania named Maya, who is played by Nomi Rapaz Mm -hmm. of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Swedish trilogy. Yes. And I'm a big fan of hers. And... She, they have a little boy, Patrick's very leave it to beaver town and life. And one day she hears a guy whistle and a chill goes down her spine and she thinks one of her neighbors is the same German soldier who raped and tortured her and killed her sister. Oh. So what does she do but kidnap him and put him in her basement? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And like like one is wont to do, right? And uh, the the soldier is played by uh, Joel Kinnaman, yeah, who claims he's Swiss, uh, was a clerk during the war, didn't fight in the war. She's crazy. She involves her husband, the small town doctor Chris Messina, mm-hmm. who just seems to buy this and helps her. Mm-hmm. Which to me, that's the the big. Uh, outrage here like oh yeah that's gonna happen like he's gonna just be like perfectly fine with this guy being tortured in his basement Mm -hmm. so the thing about this movie is it's a remake (laughs) it isn't but it should but the story's been filmed yes it's it's a remake of death and the maiden right that's That's also the night porter with charlotte ramping and dirk burgard had the exact same plot Mm -hmm. and so did death and the maiden had the exact same and and then it wasn't apt pupil With Ian McKellen, a little bit of that, yep. you know, pupil uh, with with, oh, yeah, with the Nazi, you know. I mean, we've we've seen this story right. before. Death and the Maiden is set in Chile, and it was a play by Ariel Dorfman, and then adapted into a movie by Roman Polanski in 1994. And so basically, they ripped this off. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's really no point in it. I do like the acting in it. Amy Steinmetz. Oh. Or Simons, Simons plays his wife, and Maya befriends her to get information out of her, and acts like they're new best friends, and their kids are playing together. And she's got her husband down in the basement. Well, you just see the whole plot in the trailer. I mean, you find out what happens to the guy down in the basement. She what he does. So Amy, I just she did the she she directed she dies tomorrow. Right, which we and, yeah, and also <laughs> she was in um, Pet Cemetery. Well, yeah, that she took the money from Pet Cemetery and made She Dies Tomorrow, which, if you can get past the first half hour, <laughs> once you know what's going on, then it gets a lot better. So, so she's in, but she's acting in this. 
Right. So this is like uh, a very dark. Um, this is the flip side of the guys coming back from war. Mm-hmm. Because the devil all the time deals with a, a soldier that's dealing with a lot from World War II. So the happy, shiny Eisenhower America wasn't necessarily so happy, shiny for quite a number of people that uh, were affected by World War II. Well, let's let's talk about a happier story. <laughs> a happier story about the human condition is the Dark Divide. The Dark Divide is a place in the United States. It's a large. It's the largest roadless area in Western Washington State. It's uh, about seventy six thousand acres, and it's protected from logging. And there are spotted owls there, but you know people still log there because people have thing. That is, it's 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 very naturey, but there are still people up there logging, trying to make a living, and that's actually a little part of the movie. But you stars the movie, The Dark Divide, stars David Cross from Arrested Development, and uh, Mister Mister Show Mister Show was he in Men in Black? The, Men in Black. First one. Um, I, that would be something that he, but he's. He he was. I'm just saying. I, I can't picture who he is. He's the uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David. Never he's got he, dark glass. I mean, he's got big glasses. He's uh, a stand-up comedian. Okay. Well, I don't know who he is. All right. Well, he plays the real person, Robert Michael Pyle, and he's a professor, and he seeks out rare moths and butterflies, and his wife is played by Deborah Messing from Will and Grace, another TV person. But you know who Deborah Messing is. She was Grace of She was Grace of Will and Grace. I know she was on Will and Grace, but I can't picture what she looks like. She was Grace, um, and I didn't she, think she was Will. <laughs> <laughs> well, she passes away from cancer, but before she passes away, she gets him a Guggenheim grant to go search for a new rare species of butterfly. I don't know if it's new or if it's rare, but he goes there, and he's like, "Oh, I've been camping." And his friends are like, do you know how to camp? Do you know how? Because he's supposed to be out there for 30 days, and he thinks he can do it. But there are bears, and, like, everyone says, watch out for bears, watch out for bears. And, of course, that's when, you know, when the Girl Scouts— He's by himself? Yes, he's by himself. No one's going to go on a 30-day because the grant is for him. And so he drives to the spot, and then he goes, and he winds up staying for a lot more than 30 days because— you know, once he tries crossing a river, everything falls in. He uh, barely gets up a tent before a storm. He, of course, since they tease the bears, it's not a Chekhov's gun. The, there are, there are. He does come in contact with bears. He does get a little stir crazy, but he also gets better at you know staying out in the wild. And he learns stuff. And he gets trapped in a cave. There, there is one uh, 127 hours kind of moment where you think. Something's going to go horribly wrong here. It goes wrong, but not horribly wrong. And it is based on his books about his experiences in doing and learning about the Dark Divide. The main, the main book that he wrote when he first did this thing in the mid-1990s was, it's called Where Bigfoot Walks, Crossing the Dark Divide. And now he is an expert on the Dark Divide, Bigfoot, and more moths and butterflies that live out in this area. So who plays Bigfoot? Uh, 
<laughs> that's you never actually see Bigfoot. I, I I rewound it once, and I think you're supposed to imply. I'm like, I think there's a person there. So it's uh, it's implied that he does run into Bigfoot, but you never. The screen is 100% totally black. Uh, also, David Koechner is in this movie from Anchorman. Yeah, I like him. And he. Take a man, not anchor lady. <laughs> yes, and he's from uh, Mid Missouri. Yes, and he's a he's a very nice man. I've met him several times, and he's a very fun human being. Ex SNLer. Yes, and he has a very small role, married to a Native American woman, and uh, gets drunk, and he he's he's playing the uh, average American American guy, and. and but he's married to an Indian woman, and she's like, he's really a conservationist. He just gets, when he sees another white person, he gets crazy. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. It, it. My wife was watching this with me, and she said, only David Cross could do this role because he actually does really well as playing this nebbishy kind of uh you know, a professor that gets lost in a situation like this. And his comedy skills actually work because he's playing it straight the whole time. And so here, Tom, here's a picture of David Cross. Let's see if you, did you you Oh, I already looked him up. Um, He looks familiar, but I can't. And I was looking at his, he was the villain in. Oh yeah, the uh, Chipmunks movies. The Chipmunks, the first Chipmunks. Yes, and uh, uh, he's married to Amber Tamblyn. You're kidding. Oh, wow. Yeah, they've been married for like, Eight years now. So his father-in-law is Russ Tamblyn. Yeah. Who I've met. Oh. A.K.A. Riff. But yes, I forgot. Yes, he's the villain in the first three Chipmunks movies. And he said, hey, those those bought me houses because yeah. people were giving him trouble for doing them. And he's like, uh, I have, uh, I don't think he has kids. But <laughs> he said, uh, why can't you make movies for kids? He was defending, you know, having a second house. Oh. But I enjoy I enjoyed watching it, and my wife is one hundred percent correct that only David Cross could do a movie like this. And is it, it playing is, on Netflix also? Uh, no, this was out in, this was out in theaters, but I think it is oh. it is it is out right now. I just got a press I just release don't know if it's about in it St. today. Louis. Yeah, I got that's a press release thing. about it today. Out now it doesn't mean it's here in St. Louis. But that's what I was talking about uh, a half hour ago. The yeah. fact that these movies are out. But are they out everywhere? No. Well, when they say virtual cinemas, that I means, don't know what that means. That means they're that means online. That means you can but rent it on direct but, TV. But they don't call it video on demand because they'll say like uh, in theaters and virtual cinemas on yeah. September 18th. That means it's on your what if you have direct TV or if you have Spectrum or if you have Roku, you can rent the film. But yeah. but that's video on demand, and they they keep that separate. I don't understand it. So yeah. anyway, but yeah, online is the way to go. I do, um, I have a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, which Which debuted, I saw. I know, but it, it debuted I saw it September 9th. a long 9th. time ago. It debuted on Netflix uh, September 9th, so maybe it's just getting there. It is about social media, as you can imagine from the title, and our addiction to that, and cell phones, and it has talking heads from... Google and Twitter and the guy that in uh, the created Pinterest and mm-hmm. all sorts of guys. It's a very cautionary tale. Uh, it's frightening uh, and it makes you think twice. But obviously, this is the world. If you're in media, this is what we have to do. So it's not like I'm gonna forsake 
all my platforms and devices. So, but I can see with the young people, they show clips from a film where this girl, the mom takes away all the cell phones for dinner yep. and locks them up. And this girl is unlocking, smashing it with a hammer to get her phone out. And she, she bets one of the kids. Um, yeah. That, the, the, one of the director's kids were doing that. Yeah. Sounds and depressing. I do not it, want to see it. It is very depressing. It's very depressing. And but it's, it's also uh, depressing on how much time we're spending on screens. Yes. And it also shows like the the guy who was president of Pinterest said, you know, he had young children and he came home at night and then he's working on his his, you know, uh, working and he decided he needed to put those away like I'll leave the phone in the car and then he could be present with his family and it is a problem and, and it's, it showed the young folk how they cannot leave their device alone no and it was and re- they're talking about how, and we've all heard the reports about it you get dopamine and because right in fact i believe when we reviewed this the first time that i saw it uh, I said they say dopamine about a hundred times in the That's film. That's right. You did see this. No, you saw it early. I, I remember you. this. And you were talking about it. And you talked about how you watched it with Maggie. And Yep. She did uh-huh. not care about it. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. But it's one of those social issues that people will debate for a long time. And uh, it's well done. It has good uh-huh. talking heads. Uh, they all but, but have this left. is one of those where the director involves himself in the film right right it which is. some people don't like that in their documentaries right well there's another timely documentary called all in the fight for democracy and this is a push Amazon uh, is streaming it's starting uh, Friday October October well, well this Friday, was, September 18th this was in theaters That's what today. right yeah but when we, but another it, one that was at the front neck and yeah, and uh, it is. This film is not for everybody. No, it's a campaign uh, that is all in for voting, and Amazon's behind it, and they are going to have initiatives and way. It's about voter suppression and the way to protect our right to vote, and it uses historic clips, but it also shows you what is happening around the country today, and it's fairly frightening to see voter suppression so typical in certain areas and uh stacy abrams she has a nonprofit group called fair fight action mm-hmm. it's very much her story it's her bio and it shows the fight when our country was founded only six percent of the citizens could vote and that was basically the rich white white people landowners white men yeah the rich white landowners i'm a white man watch it and don't you threaten me with so a So it talks, so then it shows, you know, the fight for women to get, to be able to vote, the fight for blacks to get uh, the chance to vote. So, and this is about protecting the right to vote. So therefore, it's timely and it's a call to action. Uh-huh. And then on the other side of this, Antebellum, which none of us saw. No, that's a Janelle Monet movie. I was offered the link, but I knew I had to watch so many other things this week Before that I wasn't going to get to it. It's that's a, a horror, horror film. film. It's a horror about. film. That's why I was surprised you and didn't did see Peele it. Did Jordan Peele produce it? Yes. Okay, I've uh, seen a poster for it. I was, they're really heavily promoting it, and I like Janelle Monet. I saw it. It's not um, at any theaters in, this, in, this, in St. Louis. I saw it um, during the basketball game. I saw a, prom- a promo for a trailer. Oh, a 30-second spot. 
during the basketball game Miami versus Boston, I think uh, game one of that series. Like, so they're promoting it very well. Yeah, it's basically it it uh, plays into a horror movie uh, as a as a fight for yes, but also. It's Jordan Peele, so right as a fight for rights. Janelle Monae wrote a wrote an original song for All in the Fight for Democracy. I forgot to mention that it's called Turntables. Okay, so that's very big. She's pretty uh, in in the news. She told a really great Chadwick Boseman story on Stephen Colbert the other night, yeah. which was she was friends with him, and it was really moving. Um, Speaking of Chazzo Bozeman, they've reissued 42, which is the Jackie Robinson story. Right. It's been at the drive-ins. It's at the um, Skyview in Belleville, double feature with Tenant, which would be a late night. Right. Because Tenant's long. Tenant's two and a half hours, and I think 42's a full two hours. Uh, uh, Carl saw tenant at the drive-in. I saw a tenant at, at Skyview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Um, did you see it? I saw it at the high point, the, the Monday early screening. So I saw the first screening ahead in town. Well, they had Monday screenings at a lot of places. I've been right. to the Belleville a number of times. I was there a they little... They had casting crowns there last year. I've heard of them. They're, that's oh, yeah, a they, Christian they rock a lot band. Of things. They have trivia there now. Yeah. They have I, bands. Which is weird. Um, what did we... Oh, we saw Godzilla from 1954, mm-hmm. and it was double featured with Roseanne. Ro- not Roseanne. Rodan. Rodan. Not Roseanne. Roseanne is scarier than Rodan. <laughs> um, from 1956. And that was a that was a blast. You know, the, the back screen only only accommodates 100 cars. Mm-hmm. The front screen accommodates 200. And we saw Godzilla and Rodan. That back screen was sold out, and there was hardly anybody seeing. Uh, Thank you. Field for of the, Dreams yeah. and something else oh the uh, natural the natural yeah the natural well thank you for the invite to uh, uh, Godzilla well we next have... Friday you got the invite you got the invite we're all gonna go see The Sting and Slapshot at the Slapshot Skyview mm. oh wow uh, so hold on I just looked this up Antebellum uh, Jordan Peele has nothing to do with uh, okay it's uh, Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz first time directors okay. okay Uh producers I don't know why I thought Jordan Peele was behind it Sean... he's behind something else though that's coming up uh, Sean McKittrick, he did Donnie Darko and Get Out. So maybe he does, he has done, oh, so they, you know what they probably did since he produced Get Out? From the producers, producers of Get, Get Out. Out. And then that's it makes people, why. that's what makes people think it's Jordan Peele. I'd like to see that, but I just, but then he, he got nominated for Get Out and he also got nominated the next year for Black Klansman and then he got nominated the next year for Us. So, no, not Us. Because us didn't get nominated for no. best picture. He, no, it didn't. But it won it, it, best it, screenplay. Okay, so yeah, so he he works with uh, Darko Entertainment. Uh, so that's that's where the uh, confusion comes. But he, you know he's getting out there too. On a streaming, I watched two things this week. I watched Coastal Elites on HBO. Oh, you did? Which is five is, terrific performances. But is it, though? But it's, it's. I mean, the people are good. I don't think it's people... It's very COVID-y. Yeah. It's very it's, Zoom-y. Yeah, it's it's hard to... It's longer than I wanted it is to it be. Is it monologue Yeah, it's, it's all monologues. It's five monologues. The best... Are, are, it's the beginning and the end. It's Bette Midler, the first one, mm-hmm. and Caitlin Deaver, the final one. And Caitlin Deaver, I've always liked her in movies, but she reveals what 
what depths of an actress she is in this fifth monologue, and it ties them together. Issa Rae, who mm-hmm. I love, she is just so watchable. And then Dan Levy, who's as funny as his father, Eugene. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the fourth one is Sarah Paulson. They are all very good. What they do with what they're given is very good. It's written by Paul Rudnick, who wrote Adam's Family Values and the remake of The Stepford Wives. You used to have that column in Premiere. Yes, where he Libby. Was the Jewish woman. Yeah, Libby. <laughs> was it Libby Waxman Gellner or yeah. something like that? Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah. And for years, you'd think there was really a, a woman writing it, and then Paul Rudnick came out. This is similar to that. It's very funny, but it's also, it is not going to unite any of the divides in this country. No. And it's it, what it's titled is Coastal Elites. It's basically rants and confessions uh, of the pan- during the pandemic in people zooming and well i liked i liked her in booksmart i liked caitlin deaver in booksmart uh, you will really like her in this last fifth segment she just uh, rose really high so in my book so it's caitlin deaver sarah paulson dan levy bet midler who's the fifth one it's a ray it's a ray okay and uh, they're all very good. Bette Midler is the perfect person for this role of Miriam. She okay, is, yeah. I, let's just say you don't necessarily like some of those people. Well, I've only heard of a couple of them. Um, I think you don't watch. They're mostly TV people. Well, yeah, well, I know Sarah Paulson is. Who's Sarah Paulson yeah. uh, from? She was Bunny Yeager in the Betty Page story. But and uh, Issa Rae is on Insecure on HBO. Uh, so you saw you saw Booksmart. She was, was she, she was, the chubby gal. No, the other one. The other, the other one. one. The other one. The, okay. the experimenting. Yeah, I didn't like books. And she, she's in a lot of things, Caitlin Deaver. She was in, what's the snake movie with Walton Goggins that I like? Them, them That Follows or something. It was set, it reminded me of De- a Devil All the Time in the Them beginning. That Follow. And she yeah. was in Short Term 12. She was in uh, Spectacular Now, Bad oh, Teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And Bed Midler, you know who she is. You see her. <laughs> yes. She's always a supporting player, it seems. Well, no, and, she was and, the lead well, in B- B- Booksmart. In Booksmart. I know, but in her other movies, she has been this reliable supporting character. Well, she was on Justified on FX and Last Man Standing, the Tim Allen sitcom. And then all of a sudden, this she plays a young nurse from Wyoming who volunteers to go to New York to work mm-hmm. in the COVID floors. Okay. And... Oh, she's so good. So, so good in it. And so I, I recommend it. But it's not going to change anybody's viewpoints of America right now. Or it's channel is it on? It's HBO. Uh, HBO. It's not so going to change anybody's. A, poli- it's very, it's very political. It's very blue. Very, very blue. It's very blue. political. Well, Dan Levy. Hey, I don't mind bad words. <laughs> and uh, and, that's, and then the other thing I, I watched sorry. on my computer screen uh, was the table read of... Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I thought is I thought it was going to be one of those one night only things, and you can't watch it beyond that. But I actually watched it after its run last night, mm-hmm. so I think you can still get it. It is a benefit for Sean Penn's core. Does and he show reform. up? Yes, Sean Penn is very much in it. He plays Mr. Hand. No, no. Um, See, that would have been better if he played Mr. Hand. I know Ray Liotta is Mr. Hand. Okay, that's so good. that's a good casting too. So they have excellent casting. I don't know how. So wait, you didn't tell us who Sean Penn is. Yeah, well, and you're not going to. No, he's minor, minor, minor character. Oh, uh, he just kind of sits and, and laughs at uh, Shia LaBeouf being Spicoli. Playing him. Uh, they have taken 
it's not the whole entire film. They have just taken certain scenes from it. Oh, they, they don't do the sex on the baseball no. field? No. They, uh, Phoebe Cates uh, taking her top off? Um, they they did, have I heard they, they did that. do that, they because, do that because of the two people that oh, they yeah. had it's, doing it. Who's playing Phoebe Cates? Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. And her ex-husband, Brad Pitt, is playing Brad Hamilton, the Judge Reinhold character. So this is the cast. But first of all, Dane Cook organized this, which... I didn't even know Dane Cook was a thing anymore. But he's a, got a lot of money, so he organizes and he's it's his feeling alive. And he says there might be more things, so he gives you the whole spiel. He starts the day and or the production, and he does. Uh, they take a couple breaks, and he hawks these Sean Penn organizations that are helping with COVID and helping communities. And uh, so it's not a political fundraiser. Did Forrest Whitaker show up at all? No. So the only person from the original cast would have been Sean Penn. Is Sean Penn. And then Morgan Freeman reads the stage directions, Mm. and he is the MVP of the thing. Who plays Mike Damone? So that is... Hey, Damone. Matthew McConaughey. Really? Yes. So (laughs) the cast is... Brad Pitt as Brad Hamilton, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Judge Reinhold. Jennifer Aniston as Linda, a.k.a. What's Phoebe this Cates. On? This uh, is on HBO? No, no it's, on, it's on computer. It's streaming. Uh, you just you go Google it, and there you go. Who's Stacy? Uh, Stacy is Julia Roberts. What? Yeah. What? Okay, yeah. so way too old. Yeah, Stacy is uh, Julia Roberts. Uh, but then again, I guess... They're all way too old. Ray Liotta is Mr. Hand. He's not way too old. No. Shia LaBeouf is Spicoli. John Legend is Little Charles Jefferson. And um, Matthew McConaughey is Dimone and the Rat. And who, who's the Rat? Who's the, uh, Mark? Matthew McConaughey plays double roles. What? Uh, yeah. They couldn't get somebody else? No. And Jimmy Kimmel plays a variety of parts. Okay. And somebody, and then Sean Penn, I forget what he, but he does like one, one of the voices and then, oh, Henry Golding, Golding, mm-hmm. Golding, he plays one of the teachers. Is he the, oh, Vincent Chiavelli guy? Oh God. He's the one, the, that, science, teacher, the yeah. science teacher, Yeah, Mr. Vargas. Yeah. He plays Mr. Vargas. I'm sorry. A little bit. And then at the end of this production, and they're all applauding. And Shia LaBeouf gets the most laughs. And they keep showing Sean Penn's face as Shia does Spicoli. And uh, s- sometimes Morgan Freeman has editorial comments. Mm-hmm. And it cr- cracks up because they do the scene in do the cafeteria. Do they go to the abortion clinic? Uh, no. They, they have the scene. <laughs> I was going to say. They have the carrot uh, scene in the cafeteria. And... Uh, Morgan Freeman's reading the directions and finally he has to just say like dear lord or oh my goodness and they all laugh Mm -hmm. and then and then he has to read the whole so is it like uh, on YouTube yeah uh, yeah Judge Mm -hmm. Reinhold in uh, uh, the uh, in the bathroom at his uh, parents house and then they do have the car scene where he starts taking off the Captain Kid mm-hmm. uh, After outfit. he just quit? Yeah. And Brad Pitt has a selection of hats that he puts on that they all seem to get a kick out of. So he had his own, he had his own um, 
props. That reminds me of something uh, I want to talk about. Sure. (coughs) Diana Rigg passed away this week. Yes, she did. Yes. She was in a couple of fantastic movies, including Under Majesty's Secret Service, my favorite 007 movie. See, see, I am glad somebody else says that. Uh, That is Wasn't wasn't she married to James Bond? Yeah, she was. She was her married character to Tracy. Oh, yeah, yes. I mean, in, in, in the, the movie, movie yes. not in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Tracy, but, uh, anyway, Tracy, the best Bond She was Bond also girl. in the hospital. She wasn't in a whole lot of movies. She was, of course, in the Avengers. But anyways, her best... And Game of Thrones. My favorite movie that she was in from 1973, Theater of Blood, with Vincent Price. And that's the one where Vincent Price uses Shakespearean deaths to kill all the critics who didn't give him this award. And, and Diane Rigg is his... Very famous um, story. Diane Rigg plays his daughter who helps him commit all these murders. Well, in 2005, there was a stage production in London of Theatre Blood, a musical. They made it into a musical, and it it premiered in London, and Jim Broadbent played Edward Lionheart, the Vincent Price role, and Diana Rigg's daughter played Diana Rigg's character. Wow. And, and, And this was thought to be lost. They thought nobody had filmed it, but it turns out somebody did film it. And they just released it on Vimeo. Wow. And if you've got Vimeo, I, reach out to me. I can give you the Vimeo link and password because they're not charging anything for it if you have Vimeo. Um, and it's really good. I mean, it's really well shot. And um, it's not just like somebody was sitting in, their, in the audience with a camcorder. There, there was clearly a couple of cameras up on stage filming this thing. It's pretty fascinating because I'd always heard that it was a musical, but it's something I had never thought I would ever see. Not only watch filmed stage plays, but I, this one I, I made an exception. Well, she is uh, quite the stage actress, or was mm-hmm. quite the stage actress, and she wrote a book called No Turn Unstoned, <laughs> and it was a collection of critic reviews. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that made her, uh, you know, that, that gave her some cachet, but she was Tony-nominated. Oh, yeah. She she hosted Mystery on PBS, which Vincent Price hosted, and yeah, when he did. stepped down, he, she took over. Yeah, I loved her. She was great. Very classy woman one of my all-time favorite movies is turning 20 on tuesday september 22nd and that is almost famous and radio.com got like most everyone together and are they're doing a special podcast of almost famous turns 20 Wow, and the back uh, the backstage pass is in. Uh, I was going to say the most recent issue of Entertainment Weekly, but the new one just came out today. So it's the previous so it's the Mandalorian one with West on the cover? Wing. Yes, the previous one with West Wing on the cover is the one that's got the all most famous backstage pass. Just that movie just brings makes me smile. Cameron Crowe at the end of this table read for Fast Times at Ridgemont High, he comes on to talk. And as you know, he Praise wrote Amy and directed Almost Famous, but he wrote Fast, uh, Time. Fast Times at Ridgemont High based well, on no, his book. Well, a- no, Amy Heckerling right. took his article and made it into a movie. Right, and and Amy Heckerling is in uh, at the end, too, at the clip. And uh, Cameron Crowe does a little bit about Sean Penn, about how he came in for the audition, and uh, they gave him the part without him reading right and it's a very interesting story but Cameron Crowe obviously has a lot of stories about the music biz because he wrote for Rolling Stone when he was 15 and in fact I I was a subscriber to Rolling Stone for all those years he was a writer and I distinctly remember his article Fast Times at Ridgemont High 
that started it all. Well, here's some trivia. What was the name of the band in Almost Famous? Uh, isn't it? Oh, it's something with Waters. Stillwater, Sweetwater. No, Stillwater. Sweetwater is the name of the town. Once upon a time. Okay, <laughs> and uh, I love. I know. I it's am a, a golden god. I know. Yeah. I like Billy Crudup, and uh, but I. But all of those are in that podcast, and it's also weird that Cameron Crowe and his ex-wife Nancy Wilson they are both part of that broadcast as well so um, that might be a little awkward I thought they were such a great couple and who knows what happened there but uh, yeah she helped him on that a lot because well, of she, her being she in heart all, him when he needed music he married a musician and she did a lot of the music for most of his movies while they were married yes and I'm one of the few people in America who likes Elizabeth Town and I have that soundtrack you're the person? Yeah, yeah I'm the I, person. I bought the, the soundtrack. about five years ago? That it was terrible. Hawaii. It was Aloha. Hawaii. Aloha. 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 It, was, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was, it, was it was terrible. I don't is know he, what's he, That's Emma sense? Stone. Yeah. Emma Stone is the uh, Asian woman. <laughs> he did. He produced the documentary on David Crosby, which is very mm. good, called uh, Remember My Name, David Crosby. And he's that was the last thing. He is inconsistent, just like Christopher Nolan. The, and a lot but of then the again, Vanilla you could, Sky was pretty bad. Oh, Vanilla Sky was horrible with Tom Cruise. <sighs> it's Vanilla Sky is better if you see it again, I think. But he did do Jerry Maguire, and I love Jerry Maguire. I'm sorry, I don't yeah, care. The uh, Renee Zellweger is so good in that. The lines, huh, I know that you're so cliche now, but you complete me. And you had me at hello. How many times have that been mm-hmm. read? Show me the money. And, and show me the money and, and all that. And William H. Macy should have won the Oscar over Cuba Gooding Ginger, but we can talk about that another so time. So, what are the Oscars? They moved those back? They moved them back to April. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Emmys are this Sunday. But, but look, here's yes. what I'm a little confused about. So, movies that are going to be eligible for Oscars in April are movies that open between January 1st of this year and what? March and, of next uh, and year? April. So, it's like a 14... I mean, not April, uh, February. They're cutting off February. So, they're doing a, a 14-month right. stretch to be eligible for Oscars instead of a 12-month stretch. Right. And can you be... So, and then Doesn't the next month will only be... The next year will only be 10 months. <laughs> if they move it up. To where it's always been. Ah. And they have so many. But maybe they'll keep. Maybe they'll just start keeping it. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But. They have so many movies that they've pushed back that let next year the content level is going to be. No, because there there will still be a glut because they couldn't make movies for four months. You're right. Yeah. And they still have a lot of issues with the uh, the COVID because look at the Batman set had to be shut down. And things like that. So the Emmys are this Sunday. I'm very confused about they're going to be a hybrid of virtual and real. They're going to have people, um, they're going to have, they were going to have everyone do an acceptance speech and then just play it once they won. But instead, now they're going to have cameras and they're going to have everybody at their own home. And if they want to do it, they, and if they win, they can give their acceptance speech. But if not, you know, <laughs> if, if you lose, do you just hit leave meeting <laughs> and get out? Oh, my God. I don't know. Uh, they have had four or five nights of creative. Well, they've had four nights of creative arts Emmys this week. Oh, and, and SNL then Saturday. Yeah, and then S- and then Saturday is going to be the other one. And on the boards already, Schitt's Creek and uh, The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Watchmen. Disney Plus won its first yes. Emmy. And Watchmen's cleaning up, but Dis- uh, The Mandalorian won quite a bit. It did? I thought it only won a couple. No, well, the technical ones, it's cleaning up on all the technical because ones. Because it is, 
that is the future of filmmaking. If you watch the if you watch the documentary on how they made the Mandalorian, because they're they, people are screaming for content about that. They wanted they wanted more Mandalorian, so they released an eight part uh, documentary. And if you see how it is made, that that will be the future of filmmaking. If you don't, it, it is more than a green screen. It is a it is in a whole atmosphere around you, and it's just in a it's in a warehouse, and it looks like it's outside. I don't think on uh, Sunday there's going to be too many surprises. I think you're going to see Mandalorian and Watchmen. I think Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I don't think that's going to be beat. John Oliver already won a bunch. Uh, SNL's won a couple. Maya Rudolph won her first Emmy, but not for SNL. It's a animated character. I believe really? she won for yes. Was it Big Mouth? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's it. She's and then I can't keep up the with horniness all the TV. on Big Mouth. I yeah, I, I I can't keep up with the television. But uh, I will say that uh, the uh, James Corden carpool karaoke one. I know that now. For was sure. that the Apple TV version or the or for actual the Late Show? Actual Late Late, late show. show. Yeah, Late Late Show. Mm-hmm. That one, and then the Oscars one for uh, for the TV. You're kidding me? That last year's Oscars were the worst Oscars in the history. Of the I Oscars. know, and it won for a gave, set. Oh my God! And they gave it, let me say they gave so they gave Kirk Douglas three seconds. They gave Eminem eight minutes to jump around with his pants pulled down below his ass, singing this rancid rap song that they had to bleep out every other word. But it was the best was, song of 2000. Oh, yeah, it, God, it, it, was, it was, was an so Oscar winning song. It uh, beat it beat U2 for Hands Across America. Well, it's usually the songs at the Oscars are pretty lame. They, they, Right. Pretty, they kind of scrape the bottom of the. Bottom I don't of know why they picked that one to come. But I just with. can't believe they just. It wasn't about movies last year. No. And all these washed up SNL people as presenters. They didn't have any movie stars as presenters. It was just. It was just like a big TV special. It didn't, it didn't have anything to do with movies. Speaking of SNL. And that won the, an Emmy. Well, yeah, it won an Emmy. Figures. Speaking of SNL, uh, it returns October 3rd, and they have rehired the entire cast. Mm-hmm. First time in like 10, 13 years? Yes, and Jim Carrey is going to play Joe Biden. Maya Rudolph is going to be Kamala Harris, and uh, Alec, Baldwin. Alec Baldwin returns us. So what about the cast members? Yeah. You know, because those three people, one is a former cast member, one was a cast member on In Living Color, and the other one is an honorary cast member. But none of those people are cast members. That's what Saturday Night Live used to do. They used to it used to be funny too. Well, now it's still it's still at times funny. Yeah, I wouldn't. Kate know. McKinnon. I don't the, think I've watched the, Saturday Night Live in thirty years. Oh well, see, that's why you cannot say it used to be funny because it's. But I will say one night when I had to turn off the news because you know I am a news person, so I had to turn off the news and I watched. Uh, in my DVR, I had put one of the vintage SNLs, and it was Madeline Kahn hosting oh, yeah. in 1976. First couple of years. And it was so wonderful. Now, and that's the it was the skit where she plays Bat Nixon, and it was after final days. And now, oh, my God. Tom, so I would good. like oh, – here uh, – Lauren Michael says everyone's favorite years are the years they were in high school because, you know, uh, it was kind of taboo-ish. But – if you go back, they have released the first five years on DVD. If you go back, 
there are some horrible sketches in the first five yes. years of SNL. Yeah, you only remember, you only think, oh, those are great because those are the ones they show over and over and over. There was some filler in those first five years, and they were not all that. <laughs> They were, I will say, because... The Muppets uh, would drone on for 10 well, minutes. They did have these Muppets, but they weren't really Muppets. No, they were they Henson. Were, well, yeah, they were they Henson. Were, the Muppets yeah. were familiar with. They were, the, I remember they were that. like the precursor to Fraggle Rock. But they Rock. were like prehistoric. Or yeah, something. they were the precursor to like yeah, HBO's I Fraggle. I remember that being lame. <laughs> yeah, well, the I, I didn't have high school years with SNL because it was you were my... already out, yes. yes it was my senior year in college when SNL premiered fall of 1975, and it took the... Uh, young folk by storm and so i went to uh, illinois state bloomington normal and so all the bars in normal bloomington would have it on their very rudimentary big screen tvs that were pretty awful but if you went out and at parties and this is a college and it was throughout the land everybody would stop to watch snl because that was like the big thing no it's because they didn't have VCRs or DVRs, right, <laughs> so right, and, and, and it was, it was only that, on twice a year. So yeah, I did. So I did watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I did fun. watch all of it in that, and I can attest there are some years that are better than others. I can say that I, being a child of the seventies and eighties, I have probably seen every single episode of Saturday Night Live since wow. nineteen seventy-five because my mom. Uh, was dating my stepfather around that time, so I would be at home on a Saturday night. I wasn't really going out because I was a child, and I, and then you realize I probably shouldn't have not been staying up watching all those because they were probably going over my head as a young single-digit person. Uh, I was uh, uh, pregnant with my first child, Tim, when Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest, the hired gun, and year. Martin Short were on, and I was one year at home, of hired guns, and it was. Fabulous. That was a great season. Oh my god, that was such a good season. And then the year after wasn't that was the one I that know was. You. I knew you. I so knew you. good. But when they brought, um, I mean, all the like Dennis Miller and Norm Macdonald and Kevin Nealon and and when they had Chris Farley That's and 90s. Adam That's and Adam and yeah and Jan Hook and Dana Carvey and Phil Hartman. I think Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey and Jan Hook that that whole cast Jan was Hooks. one of my favorites. Here's a, here's a Saturday Night Live trivia question. Yes, sir. Who was the only Saturday Night Live cast member who was nominated for an Oscar before they joined the cast? Uh, Rob, no, it wasn't Robert Downey Jr. Um, no, he was nominated after. Quite a few were nominated after. Well, Eddie yeah, Murphy. a lot of them after. Um, Joan Cusack. Dan Aykroyd was nominated for Driving Miss Daisy. Bill Murray. But the only one cast member was nominated for an Oscar before he joined the cast. He Oh, so it's a male. Oh, I guess he is. You did give it away. Um... I don't know. Was it uh, Randy Quaid? It was Randy Quaid. Very good. Randy Quaid. Last detail. Yep. Sorry, uh, Private Meadows. And poor Randy Quaid. Whoa. <laughs> Let's what? not talk about Randy yeah, Quaid. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. But uh, uh, anything else going on, guys, locally? Uh, yeah, I go to the, uh, Cinema St. Louis is doing the 50th anniversary. And two years ago, Cliff promised me that I would be hosting Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I talked to him when I... When I did the French thing, we talked about it for a long time. Well, Cliff decided that I wasn't going to host Valley of the Dolls Why? because he got an ap- uh, academic. Cliff has a hard on for academics. So he got some guy that wrote a book on the 70s, and he asked him what movie he wanted to host. Oh. The guy said, I want to host Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Well, so I Cliff pulled the plug on me. You weren't, I, I know. really was surprised that I you mean, weren't. I mean, 
Russ Meyer is literally my favorite American director. So if you go to the, the lens, which is Cinema St. Louis's um, website, within the website, yes. I posted today, um, they let me post, I should say, my top 10 Russ Meyer films. Oh. It's a long, it's a 3,000 word article. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So can you give us what your number two is? Number two would be Super Vixens. Super Vixens. Oh, that's right. Super Vixens. Well, and go to, go to thelens.com. To yeah, find go out to what the rest are. and find out what my ten favorite uh, Russ Meyer movies are in order. <laughs> well, I got to host uh, the uh, I got to host Husbands, which was I'm so glad I did because it was good to revisit Cassavetes, but also when I'm watching, I'm thinking of ending things, and Jesse Buckley recites word for word uh, Pauline Kael's review of A Woman Under the Influence. Well. J- <laughs> talked about Cliff, that movie in, in Cliff's Cliff. defense he did feel bad and he promised I can review I mean I can host one next year we've already decided what it is but I can't say what it is oh okay but, so it's but it's a movie from 1971 it'd be yes well yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry I have loved doing this because the, the, I know, the, I the, the, the past two years yeah the I 1968 I did uh Pretty Poison 1969 I did Alice's Restaurant and this year I did Husbands so I'm very happy with the movies that I chose and the last time you were on we were talking about how you were going to do Beneath the Valley I of know. the Dolls and then I saw it um, this past week I will say they're all on YouTube and they're very good Cliff and I had a really good discussion about Cassavetes and about Maja um, because it was Peter Falk, Ben Gazzara, and John Cassavetes in 1970 uh, in pre-woke America. Pre, uh, uh, they were, you know, I mean, people watching it now, like the comments were like, "Oh my God, this is awful," <laughs> because of just the way men thought back then. And we have more, you know, it was pretty Neanderthal. And there's more enlightenment. But that's when you look back 50 years, you could say that about a lot of things. I think uh, on this Monday night, what's the movie? I don't know. Forget. Something from 1970. Who did MASH? Oh, no, an academic. Uh, Because Andrew Wyatt did Patton. And that was good because Andrew's got such a... Uh, a fine grasp of film and he talked about Francis Ford Coppola's screenplay and about the America uh, in 1970 that had Patton as a favorite movie and an Oscar winner and what that meant back then the MASH one was an oh it was the guy that's on CBS this morning David Edelstein Okay, he did that and uh, uh, Diane Carson did The Conformist by Bertolucci Oh, and it's cinemastlouis.org slash the-lens. That is the website. Coming up, A.J. Schnock's going to do a double feature of Woodstock and Gimme Shelter, which I think will be interesting. Calvin Wilson is doing five easy pieces. Uh, Calvin Wilson's still around? Yes, he is. He's doing theater, but there's no theater. (laughs) So... Speaking of theater, the Black Rep has been doing virtual readings, and they've got one coming up uh, this weekend. I watched their Coconut Cake last week. It was a real two-hour-plus play. And Ted Lang from The Love Boat was was one of the Wait, five what? characters. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. It was set in 2010. It was five retired guys sitting in a McDonald's drinking coffee and talking about life. 
Wait, when, what? When was it made? <laughs> it was made. Uh, well, they they filmed it this June. It's a Zoom production. Oh, okay. Ted Lang is. Is he the black guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And, uh, he was Isaac. Your Isaac. Bartender. Yes, of course. Isaac, the, your ba- your bartender. The bartender. And uh, no, Isaac, your bartender. Ron Himes of St. Louis. He said uh, the night it was shown last Friday. He said this would be the opening of our thirty of our forty third season. But since we can't have theater, we still wanted to stay connected. So it was free. It's free play this week. And is uh, it's now the female uh, a play. It's like uh, five women. And oh my God, it's Back Porch Society. I think that's the title. And so if you go to blackrep.org, you can get a free play to watch. Nice. Wow. Yeah. All right, so Tom. Yeah. Since you're going to movie theaters, what do you besides go to movies? What do you want to tell people about the movie going experience? You found, um, you found if you're it worried to be about safe. getting COVID, you don't. You can relax because there's nobody else there. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go to the store, you're going to be in a lot more danger of getting COVID. Uh, I hope I hope more people start going. I feel bad for like the high point. I you know I saw Tenant opening night and it was a decent crowd, but I can't imagine anybody going to see Tenant. Now, except maybe when they do $5 shows on Wednesday, the gallery is is dead. You know what I, what I do kind of miss? When the theaters first started open about three months ago, I, they were they were, they were were hard up for content, so they were showing old movies. So I saw Which you liked. Jackie Brown, I saw Mad Max, Fury Road, I saw Twister. Did you see any movies that you had not seen previously? Um, that were old? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. That I recall. They, they were showing, you know, Jaws. I mean, they were showing popular movies. They wanted right. to fill seats. Um, they 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 showed the Whiz with Michael Jackson, which I had never seen, but I did not see it. Okay. Um, but now they're now they're showing they're not showing the old movies. They're showing a couple of them. I think Jaws is out at the one of the ones out in Chesterfield. But they they're showing all the same movies. They're showing David Copperfield. They're still showing Unhinged. They're, you know, half the screens still have Tenet. And a cup, and what was the Lonely Hearts Club or something? Oh, Broken Hearts Gallery. Yeah, that was it. That's showing so. Well, that's only been out a week, though. But but all the movies are showing the same half dozen movies, except the front neck. Which is showing the It's showing a lot of documentaries, Mm -hmm. and then movies that are going to be on Netflix next week. And then the gallery is a little better. Like I say, they've got this horror movie opening today called Ravers, and it's about these young people who go to a rave, and they take a drug, and they all turn into homicidal maniacs. I'll probably see that on my way out of here. (laughs) Um, But what do you want people to know? It's safe. It's safe. It's very safe. It 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 feels weird because there's nobody behind the concessions counter. You gotta like at the Ronnie's. You gotta go to some guy and order your concessions. And I think they actually bring it into the theater, and they're wearing gloves and masks. It's certainly a different experience. It's it's not a real pleasant experience because you know you see a movie, you want to see it with an audience, right? But what you mentioned um the Arcadian the Arcadian Theater, which is this movie theater that supposedly is going to open up over on. Uh, Grabway by my house. Yeah, that's going to be a small house. They do um, they do something every Wednesday night that's actually pretty fun. They do they're next door to a bar called the Heavy Anchor, and the the side of the bar has this big giant wall, and they set up a screen. And every Wednesday night, they'll show movies out there, and How and they've shown they some fun stuff. It? They're only allowing thirty people in. You got to bring your own chair. Ugh. We saw Destroy All Monsters with Godzilla and Rodan. Cute. Mothra and all, everybody was in that. We saw that a couple of Wednesdays ago. They're showing uh, Harold Lloyd in Safety Last this Wednesday. Um, and they're Harold getting Lloyd. pretty good crowds. It, it, it's 
sells out and they, it's it's kind of a fun it's kind of a fun experience because it's mm-hmm. really the only time I've seen movies with a large group of people. Well, no, it's not a large group of people. It's in well, a confined it's, space. It's confined space with thirty people, but that relative to what everything else I've yeah, been yeah, seeing yeah, yeah, for yeah. the past six seven months. Well, they do it's have a, crowd, it's a crowd. You know, they do have crowd limits in the city. Right, and I understand. Too. Yeah. And also, um, I've talked to them because we're going to have them on Carl. As we guests. are. Yes, it's a husband wife team. Yes, yeah. and they and, didn't know what they were doing. And, and they didn't know that this was going to happen. <laughs> and uh, they seem very I do too. very committed people. They are going to show the first debate on their big screen. I, I thought it was outdoors. It, it is. That's what I'm talking about. It's on the side mm-hmm. of the heavy anchor bar, which is next door. It's the side to of the bar. It's not theater. inside. Right. It's, it's so not, much like, better like outdoors. Pad, there's like an outdoor patio that's part right. of the heavy anchor, and there's a big wall that's They've set up this screen. I don't think they've done much to the theater. They have not. Um, I have talked to, I I actually have been emailing them back and forth. So we will hear about their operation. And you you really, you know, just like restaurants, you feel you want to support them. Mm -hmm. They're trying very hard. Uh, Lord knows opening during a pandemic is difficult. It's very difficult. They were going to have a, they were going to have a rough time anyway. And now it is doubly rough. Because they were very niche, what they were going to do, and it was, I am, I am impressed by their attitude, and they're they're still going to keep going. Yeah, which is good. I get their, I'm on their mailing list. I encourage everybody to get their mailing list. I think they're doing something this weekend. They're trying to do, uh, you know, just stuff like, to stay yeah, in business. If you remember, if you remember, and Tom will they're remember doing, they're this. They're doing one tonight. Actually, it's called yes. Little Zombies, and it's a yes, it's a Asian zombie movie comedy. Comedy. Yes, yeah. Zombie comedy. Years ago, pre-VCRs, yes. the Tivoli was a revival house. Oh, yeah. I got all those old calendars. And uh, they would show. Uh, that's where I would go because I was a big yeah. fan of Nashville. And every time Robert Altman's Nashville was on, I was there. Nashville is really long. And <laughs> Nashville uh, is a long film. I know, but it's great. Well, anyway. They would have different double features every other night. Right. And they were showing 35-millimeter film. Right. And that's where you went because you could not rent these. You couldn't see them on TV. Right. And so, the Tivoli, so we got used to that. We got used yeah. to a repertoire of showing films because that's how you got to see some Old of the movies, yeah. That's uh, where the you're classics up on stuff and, that you were yeah. too young mm-hmm. for. Yeah, yeah and, and foreign films that were not shown here. And so to me, it's reminiscent of that, that they're going to try to do uh, maybe what the Webster film series tries to do. And, yeah, well, and the Webster film series is back online. And uh, so the the Washington, the Brown Hall series and stuff. Well, the, the St. Louis International Film Festival is going to be online mm-hmm. November 5th through the... 11th is it I or 17th something, something like that, that. Yeah. but anyway it, this is the year it, this is a this is a very odd yes year that we will remember we'll look back on and and disgust and remember but i will <laughs> say uh, to give hope i have seen some really good performances this year from films that i might not have you seen. might not have watched before yes cream does rise to the top you know Right, and it's good to get some of these uh, people uh, more uh, work. More work. Because, you know, your top-tier stars that were making $20 million a film, they can afford to not make a film this year, you'd hope. Right. I can already see, uh, because we saw Kajillion, and we are embargoed. Oh, no. 
I saw the first two-thirds of Kajillionaire. Okay, Kajillionaire it opens September 25th, and it was the Audience Award winner at Sundance, and uh, we are not we are embargoed for review. So stop talking about it. 21st. I still need to see the last half Is hour. it good? Um, but I'm just going to say it has potential nominations in it. It's a That's quirky little story. Say. I need to see the last half hour. My, I left. I It stopped when they were both in the bathroom in the dark. The four cast members are Richard Jenkins, Deborah Winger, Evan Rachel Wood, and Gina Rodriguez. I didn't recognize Deborah Winger when I saw the trailer. At the you're not, you're not supposed day. to, I don't think. No, once yeah. you hear her voice, you know. I'm like, who's that voice? I know that voice. Mm-hmm. And then I said, but Evan Rachel Wood, who is a terrific young actress who's She's been a wrestler. around forever. Mm-hmm has uh she was a child actress that is in the movie showbiz kids and she's former, playing a 28 year old former a 26 year old. oh yeah 26 all right uh former wife of jamie bell they share a child uh she is she's talking like this all i know i do the the she's anyway she is uh award worthy that's all i'm gonna say i still have a half hour to go so i hope to get it again all right Tom, where can we find you online? Uh, WeAreMovieGeeks.com, Facebook. That's about it. Tom Stockman from We Are Movie Geeks. Lynn Venhouse. I am on KTRS, uh, the Big 550, with Ray Hartman every Thursday night, usually the 1030, last half hour of the show. And I am here with yeah. Carl and our special guest every week. I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times, and the print edition returns September 25th. Right now, we're just online, but we are so excited. And I'm excited for you. I am too. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com, a work in progress. My name is Carl Middleman. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern and on the Entercom family of radio stations. Well, thank you, Tom. We always enjoy when you're here because you always are out and about and and you know what's going on. I knew you would know my Becky question. Oh, That it was horrible. And I could tell that already, but I just needed your confirmation. All right. right. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Support local.